With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer, Rohan Notgurney. Rohan, how was your weekend? Good, sir. Uh, my weekend was pretty good, Mike. I'm, every time we do this, I know you're going to ask me about my weekend. I've somehow just forgotten entirely what I got up to. <laughs> Just continuing to watch some sci-fi movies. I was talking about that with Shelby uh, right before we started. Waiting for you to join, as always. Um, oh, stop! <laughs> I will. I stop that right now. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I'm chilling. How about you? I'm good. I'm. Uh, I'm always excited. Mondays are my favorite days because I get to see your beautiful face and we get to record this podcast. Mm. So I'm in. I'm in a very chipper mood. Rohan, that's good yeah i can man. tell and i don't like it <laughs> even after even after the pacers packed up tatum and brown for you to be in this good of a mood is it's unsettling yeah and just like that my hopes are high every time and then they're dashed and i go into deep depression um like five minutes into talking to you um, no, it's, you know, it's, it is what it is, but, uh, Rohan on today's show, let's get to it on today's show. We'll be opening up the mailbag. So to you're, discuss. You're, you're still taking Brown and Tatum over Halliburton and healed after what you saw <laughs> on Sunday. I, I quit the podcast. I think <laughs> that that's it for me. You know, you know, there's no questions about if Halliburton and healed can play together. I'll just say that carry the hell on. But, uh, I will yeah. say that the, the Pacers made um, they made some threes in that game, Have and I'm not too worried at, about it. So I've been looking at, uh, in preparation for the playoffs, I was looking at pull-up jump shooting stats this week, just trying to keep mm-hmm. an eye on things. Are you like aware of Jason Tatum's pull-up jump shooting statistics this season? Of course. I follow them every day. It's like bookmarked <laughs> <laughs> on my Google Chrome. <laughs> he... Like he's actually, I, I don't know if this is a good sign. It, like I think there's a way to spin this into a good sign, genuinely. 
But he's been one of the worst volume pull-up jump shooters in the NBA this season. Can you please spin it into a good sign? I just don't think any of us believe he's that bad of a shooter. Like, I think there's 57 guys shooting at least five pull-ups a game, and he was like 52nd. Like, he's like a worse pull-up jump shooter than Giannis. But none of us believe that to be true. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I actually I don't. I was not expecting you to bring this up, and I don't want to talk too much about it because it's something I'm writing on for this week. So, oh, how about that? Yeah, so let's not step on that too much, but everyone should be constantly typing si.com into URLs, just <laughs> waiting for this article to drop. Um, Is it about pull-up <laughs> jump shooters specifically? Is it about Tatum specifically? It is about, without con- entirely spoiling it, it is about the, the top five greatest variables in the Eastern Conference down the stretch. So I guess I just gave away one of the variables. Um, okay. Well, anyway, Rohan, as I was saying, on today's show, we will be opening up the mailbag to discuss uh, one sleeper MVP candidate, maybe, potentially, and the totally strange, possibly unbeatable potentially embarrassing Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but first, a quick reminder to please keep your emails rolling into openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. All right, Rohan. So there's pretty much no other topic we could start today's show with other than James Harden. Um, have you heard of him? <laughs> His first two games in a Sixers uniform took place over the weekend. In them, he recorded 56 points, 28 assists, 18 rebounds, uh, one triple-double. So far, Harden has shot 57% from the floor. He's already made eight threes, 18 free throws, and is plus 54 in a Sixers uniform. So, Rohan, do you think the Sixers should go ahead and, and raise their banner now, or should they wait and see just how the last few months of this season play out before any parade routes are, are formerly scheduled in downtown I mean, Philadelphia. I mean, let's just get into it. I mean, the victory lap <laughs> has been just remarkable. John Gonzalez, the grand marshal of the uh, Sixers. I think, no, I think John, John, John did. He was sketching. He was texting me. He sketched a few uh, possible parade routes. What do you mean? Um, what do you mean? John Gonzalez was texting you. He was texting me, me and John. You guys host one podcast together, and now you're already texting each other? We're best buds, of course. Wow. Are you jealous? Yeah, yeah a little bit. He doesn't text me, neither do you. I don't, I'm not getting any texts from either of you, so that's kind of messed up. It's kind of messed up, if I'm being honest. I wasn't expecting to hear that. Uh, we're going to have to unpack that uh, once the on. we're, we're, we're Rohan, we're on the same side in this topic, so let's 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 keep it that way. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, I think it was uh, my homie Dama and Rangula, uh, Lakers Twitter legend, who was like, um, the Twitter receipt industry has just like never received more like ammo than what Sixers fans have done um, over the weekend. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, yeah, so that's been a that's been a funny aspect of all of this. In terms of what's actually happening on the court though, you cannot there's no I mean you can't question how good Harden looks. If anything, it's a little absurd how good he looks after the quote unquote hamstring tightness he was experiencing with the Nets. Um it's a little 
you know, it t- it apparently took him exactly, I don't, I don't know, like he it looks like he recovered very quickly after that trade, as many people expected, um, from the hamstring injury that apparently was lingering uh, this whole season. He's been good, man. He's been really good. We were talking about it a little bit, just a tiny bit, but I mean, the full arsenal's been on display, and I like step back threes, uh, his playmaking, running out in transition. Um, it, even that first game, immediately seeing him come off handoffs from Embiid at the elbow, I think that was something we both had questions about. Harden's willingness to run those types of actions, will they be as effective? Or will they be able to replicate some of the chemistry that Curry, Seth Curry, and Joel Embiid had? I mean, he's been really good. He's, he's just he's flashed the total package, and I mean, he looks a lot more like the James Harden of two years ago than you know two weeks ago. Yeah, I was. I mean, first of all, I got to echo everything you said just about how how great he looks. I mean, Harden, it's really fascinating. He took. Basically all of February off, um, played in two games. His last game before their 31-point shellacking in Minnesota was in Sacramento in a Nets uniform. He went two for 11, over five behind the three-point line, scored four points, six turnovers, just was a total mess of a basketball player, disinterested, disengaged, um, takes the month off, doesn't compete in the all-star game participate in the all-star game shows up though shout out to him for showing up i was kind of surprised by that um and i wasn't stunned by how well he looked in minnesota necessarily i thought that in the first game harden's big on first impressions and i expected him to play pretty well i did not expect i guess like the the ways he was successful like you just talked about pace, um, the kick aheads, but also just him running the floor mm-hmm. with a live dribble, uh, really getting downhill. Um, he had one play in Minnesota. It was like a baseline drift for a corner three that I was looking at all of his threes the past two years after I saw that play. Cause I was like, I can't remember the last time I saw Harden do that off the ball. And he never did it. Uh, in the past two years since he left Houston, not once <laughs> did he make that play. So I was like, okay. Uh, it's just like, when what, do you mean, what do you mean he looked at all the threes he shot I, the last two I watched. Years? I watched every one of his threes. Is there a problem? <laughs> Dude, I don't have a life. What do you, like, what do you, this is it. This is it for me. What, what is your, do you, like, what, what was your, how, what was your method for watching every single one of these threes? Were you going on like his nba.com box score like how how did you find what how did you bulk find all these threes uh we have a synergy at our disposal rohan i believe you no one gave you the password to that or you forgot the password i I think my i think my email link expired (laughs) for my login because it was set in like july or something and i was like i can worry about this like four months from now and then no expired (laughs) i just i'm not able to do my job Yes, so yeah. that is the it's 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 not as impressive or as um, laborious as it sounds when you have that and you're just like pressing K or L <laughs> or whatever it is for next clip. Um, but I watched all of his of his threes and he never did that off the ball. The way he um, drifted to the corner on the weak side, I was like, this guy is 
it's like showing up on the first day of school, new teacher wanting to just make the best impression possible and plays like that are how you do it. Um, and then in New York, I mean, triple double, the step back three was go like when he has the step back three going, I haven't seen that in a minute and I kind of forgot what it looked like. Honestly, It was was a flashback to his Houston days. Like I said, two years ago when he was averaging 34, whatever it was, it's, it's been a long time since we've seen that Harden for sure. Yeah. So you watch plays like that. You watch how he interacts with Embiid. Um, I wrote a column about it before the trade even happened, just kind of anticipating their relationship on the floor. And there was one play that he used in Brooklyn where you have a wing. In this case, it was Tobias Harris and Matisse Thibel. In Brooklyn, it was, you know, Bruce Brown or whoever, Joe Harris. Um, set a little wide pin down. Harden comes off the screen, zips around uh, to do a dribble handoff with a big in the center of the court. So he's already moving before he even has the ball instead of just running a high pick and roll. And it's able it allows him to get downhill a lot easier and really screws up the guy who's guarding the big who had the ball. So in this case, it's Embiid. And Mitchell Robinson, Jericho Sims, whoever it was, was just completely flabbergasted by this action all night and or all afternoon. And it's really difficult to stop because... Uh, just it, it's it, it's just kind of really intelligent work by Doc to already incorporate that into their offense. It's going to be really fascinating to see how defenses adjust to slow it down. But yeah, just like the pick and roll, also with Embiid, they ran it on sides, they ran it in the middle of the floor, uh, they ran it in transition. Uh, it's it's tough. Uh, Embiid's rolling hard. And some of that was short roll stuff where he'll you know catch it at the free throw line and he'll either jab step and just take that little 10 12 footer that is basically a layup to him wide open or he'll get all the way to the basket in which case you're screwed and the play is over or he'll just kind of bully his way into drawing a foul what did he draw like 45 oh, fouls man, the fouls we didn't <laughs> even talk about the fouls oh boy he shot almost 30 free throws in a game woof but that's going to be really interesting to watch as, you know, if the officials adjust to this team as well, because they were in the bonus uh, almost immediately in both games. And I'm just I'm fascinated to see how that translates in the playoffs. Um, but like what it, like are your expectations for the Sixers going forward? Have they been impacted? I know it's only been two games, but have they been impacted in any meaningful way for you? Are you higher on them than before? What do we have them fifth? I think when we did our power rankings right, last week. Right. I mean, I think would, that would they, they still be fifth for you or would they be a little bit higher, a little bit not lower, but higher? Fame? They they definitely have a chance to go higher. If we read, redid those power rankings right before the playoffs started, it might look different. I do think they're built for regular season success. Um, we saw doc, you know, in that Minnesota game, I was also interested to see the rotation. He staggered them. He took out Harden. I think with like six minutes to go in the first quarter or something like that, or mm-hmm. might have been a beat. I don't even remember now, but it's funny. <laughs> he never wanted to stagger Simmons and Embiid. He's already stagger- staggering Harden and Embiid. But it's also funny how they found themselves back in a situation where it's like, you know, these two guys, they actually play great, not together. Um, but they have a chance to go higher. I mean, my expectations for them are, I mean, uh, we've talked about this, but a lot of these Eastern Conference teams are, 
it's conference finals or bust. I think Philly's in that category. I think Miami's in that category. I think Brooklyn's in that category. I think Boston's in that category. Milwaukee, certainly, like, that's five teams. There's only two spots. But all of them should at least have their sights set on the conference finals. So that's my expectation for them. Can they do it? I, You know, obviously, I want to see a little bit more. I was tweeting about this, but, you know, they have four big games coming up starting the 4th. Um, they're going to play Miami. They're going to play Cleveland. Uh, they got Denver coming up on the 14th. I'm interested to see them, see them play some teams that I think can attack them with a little bit more intentionality. I, um, I wrote about this, but it felt like Minnesota couldn't really take advantage of Harden uh, defensively. Um, Philly was. Sw- I also think it's interesting defensively. Philly's already committed to not committed, but they were switching a lot in that Minnesota game, switching a lot off ball, switching a bit with Embiid. Um, the Knicks, I think, ultimately just didn't really have the offensive talent to put them in a lot of uh, difficult positions, even though they ended up scoring a lot of points that game. So I'm interested to see what Philly does against teams that I think can attack them with a little bit more intentionality. Um, and then I'll be willing to reassess. But, I mean, they've looked great. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I really want to see it in the playoffs. Um, what their rotation is going to shake out as, what's going to happen with uh, – Thibault, what's going to happen with, like, Paul Millsap's their backup center now. I don't know how viable that is. Um, I don't know how many minutes of needs going to have to play a night in the playoffs, uh, if that's a scenario. So I still have some questions, but, I mean, they've looked good. I, they've absolutely looked good. Yeah, I think that the supporting cast and all the role players trying to fit in around Harden and Embiid is now, that was kind of my concern last week and I still think it is somewhat of an issue we saw Tobias Harris is really figuring it out Harden spoke after the Knicks game saying that Harris passed up five or six wide open spot up shots and you know tried to put the ball on the deck and that's the type of player Tobias Harris is and he hasn't really been super confident in his three-point ball this season so you know, there's it's not a given that he'll fit beside Harden and Embiid, where he can't ever really develop a rhythm. They're not. I think they called. They probably called more than one play for him in that game. But the one I noticed, or I only noticed one play call for him, and uh, you know, they'll as you were saying, they're they're staggering these two guys, which makes a ton of sense. But I mean, Harden's like, playing those mid bench minutes with Harris a lot too. Is what it seems like the plan is. Right, right, right. Um, we'll see about the in, the in terms of backup five, like Willie Cauley-Stein, they signed to a 10-day. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to kind of make the most of an opportunity at some point over the next couple of games. Um, Paul Millsap as a backup five is probably not viable in a playoff run where you're trying to win four playoff series. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but Maxi has looked really good. I think that that was also a question mark. Uh, he just, I mean, he's just such a really, he's just a really special player. Like I love Tyrese Maxi. He's probably my favorite player on the team. Honestly, I don't think he's the best player on the team. I think he's my favorite just to watch how he kind of, um, single-handedly increases the tempo. You were talking about how the Knicks, and the Timberwolves really weren't able to attack Harden defensively. They tried a little bit, but 
like it really gets you out of your offense when you're trying to run like a pistol action on the side and force a switch. And they were doing that with Fournier and Randall a little bit. And the Knicks are just garbage, so they turn the ball over like three <laughs> well, or I was four say, times I, trying to attack. I was gonna say Harden. like some teams I think are gonna be able to do it better than others, right? Like I look at a team like Atlanta that's almost kind of begging you to switch all their actions because of, you know, the number of similar size guys that are playing on the wings, et cetera. Um, Miami with their off-ball movement. I mean, if they try to hide Harden on Duncan Robinson, um, they're going to be running him through screens, through triple handoffs with Bam. Um, Chicago is going to be a really, really fascinating matchup, um, especially when they're at full strength. I'm not saying these teams are better. I'm just I'm curious. Like I'm I'm excited to see it play out. Like I'm not predicting it one way or another, but I'm really excited to see it play out. There were a lot of good games on yesterday, by the way. Like Sunday, I mean, it started Great with that games. Sixers Knicks game. Did you watch that Jazz Suns game? I did watch that game. Yes. What did you? I I was watching it, and I down the stretch, <laughs> down the yeah. stretch. Um, you know, I thought the Suns had a really good chance to win that game. I think they kind of lost it just because they got dominated in the white side minutes, actually. Like, their starters were playing really well. Tell me what you think of this. I thought it was a little interesting. Late in the game, they're obviously running, you know, high pick and roll with Gobert. Would the Suns have been better off hiding DeAndre Ayton in the corner on Daniel House, putting Crowder on Gobert, and switching everything? So taking a playbook, taking a page out of Ime Udoka, his playbook, basically, where they put Rob Williams on a wing and they put Jalen Brown on the big so that they can switch everything. Sure. Yeah. If you want to give him credit for coming up with that basketball strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you got to do what, like... You're kind of, okay, so if you do that, I don't think that that's wrong. Um, and it just felt like Mitchell, like, they were, okay, they were getting they, a really good shots in that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I mean, Mitchell's pull up three, he's super confident, yeah, in it right oh, now, man. and so you really can't deep drop. So maybe the adjustment is to bring Aiden a little bit higher on the floor, mm. but then also you got to. Uh, be tight with the rotations yeah. on the backside if Gobert is rolling. And but Gobert's just played really great basketball over yeah. the past I don't know like week week and a half. Um, but yeah, I mean we're gonna. T- I, 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 you you always keep me on my toes, Rohan. I really appreciate that. We had a we have a Suns related question mm. coming up, not to spoil. But um, let's go back to the Sixers for two seconds. Uh, I guess just like what, like defensively, is that the biggest concern now for you? I know, I feel like Sixers fans are very angry at us because we frame everything from a negative standpoint or we're (laughs) looking for the flaws in this team. Um, I'm just dubious still because like Harden holding up, like what... It just it 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 strains um, disbelief for me. Harden just looking so bad, and then suddenly looking so good. And why? Like, what what will it take for either his body to 
um, suffer another, you know, tissue related ailment or like, I don't know, something about it at this point. I, is I'll listen, like, I'll just say, it I'll, gonna... just, I'll just say it, Mike, like, I, w- I just want to see, like, I'm a skeptic because frankly, like, I've been like, this is, this sounds like such an old man thing to say. I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm turning 30 later this year. I just want to see some more, like, respect for the competitive spirit of the game. That's what it is. Like, James Harden, you've quit on two teams in a row. You've, like, time and time again had, like, playoff failures for the last 10 years. And I'm not one of those, like, you know, you can have, obviously there's there's nuance to those, there's context, etc. But I'm a skeptic just because I, I just do you want someone who like so clearly quit on two straight teams to like, are you excited about like, how do you get excited about that? How do you get excited about someone who is like willing to just give up on his teammates? Um, You know, it was one thing in Houston where, although again, he was the one who you look at what happened in Houston, for example. Okay. He couldn't get along with Chris Paul and he said, get this guy out of here. They bring in Russell Westbrook. doesn't work. He's like, yeah, you can trade Russ. And now he's like, I don't think this team can win. I want to get out of here. And it's like, again, like escaping any accountability he had for all the failed partnerships he had in Houston. He says Philly was his first choice. I just have a hard time believing that that was his first choice and he somehow ends up in Brooklyn. But okay, you end up in Brooklyn. You know, you're playing with Kevin Durant. He's one of the best players in the game, arguably the best. I understand this Kyrie thing is literally a once in a century, once in a lifetime, once in a generation occurrence with this pandemic and the vaccination rules, et cetera. He's getting fed up, but we just saw him openly quit on his team in that Sacramento game. Um, like, what, what is the status of his friendship with Kevin Durant? Like, he was willing to torpedo that or tank that uh, to get out there. And it's just been frustrating to watch because he's a talented player. Like, it's fun when he's rolling. It's really fun when he's rolling. Um, It was really fun when him and the Rockets were rolling with Chris Paul. I mean, one of my favorite memories since moving to L.A. was seeing a Rockets-Clippers game. And Harden hits, like, an and one three over Paul George. And he's on the ground and he's pointing at them, like, talking shit. Like, he's a lot of fun when he has it going. And I just want to see it come in. remember that game. Yeah, I just want to see a, a Bill Hader was in the stands that game watching Patrick Beverly defend James Harden, laughing, just cracking up watching those two go at it. And I just want to see more of that competitive spirit on a consistent basis. That's it. Uh, and before I can get excited about it. So that's where the negativity comes from. That's where the skepticism comes from. It's the fact that I think Harden's just, you know, you there's just like a baseline level of respect for the game that I want to see for my stars. Look at Embiid. Look at what Embiid did this year. I love Embiid. Like I I was banging the table for Philly to make a trade for him because of how well he competed for him to put up an MVP season dealing with this Simmons thing, having that hole on his roster and taking ownership. That's what I want to see and I feel like Arden's just elided that and it's like it's not fun to watch. It's grating. Um And I'm still just curious to see the personality fit. At the end of the day, all these teams, it's what can you do when you're faced with adversity? And, you know, that's what we'll we'll have to judge them on ultimately. And it's possible they have the talent to overcome it. But I I just want to see what happens when they face some adversity because that could go either way based on Harden's history. Okay, let me ask – I agree with all that. Let me ask you this. If Harden plays 
if Harden just is that guy that you were referencing earlier, the guy who, uh, when Kawhi and PG were trying to switch a pick and roll, he basically just rose up between the two of them. That was sick, dude. That was sick. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I honestly speak as someone who picked the Rockets to win the title like every year. I'm not since, joking. Like, 2017. The, the, that year that Chris Paul and Harden took the Rocket, took the Warriors to seven games. That's my favorite team of the last half decade. That Rockets team, them playing Gordon, Ariza, Tucker, Paul, and Harden together. That was to me the highest level of basketball we've seen in the last five years in the NBA. That series was just remarkable. Yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I love that team. I think that's the, without thinking too deeply, that's probably the best team that did not win a title in the past 10 years, maybe? Yeah. I don't, like, yeah. I, I don't know. They were great. Yeah. <laughs> they were incredible that season. Um, okay, so I guess like my question is just, and then we'll move on. Um, my question is just, if Harden, if this is real with Harden, and he's back to being the... Clear top 10 offensive player, clear MVP caliber player. And then we have Embiid also on the team doing all the things that Embiid has done this season where he is potentially going to win win MVP. Um, who's stopping the Philadelphia 76ers? Like, how, how do you I like, think, I defend think this team? This is going to sound insane. But I think the only team... I think the team with the best chance, and I, te- I texted, I floated this out in our group chat, but what if the Nets went small against the Sixers? Because it would be the ultimate kind of push-pull, and it sounds insane, but you literally would have Simmons guarding Embiid in this scenario. But if you put Simmons, KD, Kyrie, Patty Mills, and then any, you know, whether it's Bruce Brown, which I'd be surprised him and Simmons playing together, but you know, one of their other wings or guards or whatever. Is that the best route forward? I mean, you're getting beat up inside. Like, so Embiid's beating up you, beating you up inside, but you're forcing them to fe- you're forcing them to switch everything. You're for- you're forcing Embiid to kind of play pick and roll, drop. You know, Simmons is going to get the short roll. I don't know. I, I to me, that's the one I want to see. I because I, like, who's guarding Durant? I, I don't know, man. I. You're right, though, because they, they they start to pose all kinds of these existential crises, and it's like, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, you know, I don't think you could go small against Joel Embiid. Like, I just don't think it's possible because you saw what he did at MSG. This man fouled out two players. Like, we had Obi Toppin was, like, forced to be the center. <laughs> In crunch time, it was like, it was tough. Uh, So I don't know what the answer is there. Um, Going small with Simmons, I think that Joel Embiid would have blood, like, dripping out of his mouth. Yeah, it would be be foaming. A lion on the prairie. I do think Brooklyn's (laughs) best lineups are going to be Simmons playing center. Yeah, I I, I won't disagree with that, Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Boston. Of, I think Boston has okay. a great chance to defend him. No, no. I, I was I was going to tweet about this the other day. I really was because I think Horford, Horford historically mm-hmm. has defended Embiid well. Like he's probably the best the Embiid, Embiid stopper, def- baby. Outside of Mark Gasol, I think probably the best one-on-one Embiid defender. 
And he's also probably the only one-on-one Embiid defender left in the NBA that is not taking you out of your offense on the other side of the ball, or on the other side of the court, rather. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I like Boston's size against against Embiid. I like their def- defense in general. Um, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. I need to see it play out for a little bit longer. But I, I'm wondering if teams will be able to stretch them out because it's probably the only way, as crazy as it sounds. It's going to be fun to see how it plays out, for sure. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so you brought up the Nets and going small as being, uh, with Simmons at the five as being a potential solution there or an option there. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I want to talk about the Nets. Let's talk about the okay. Nets. Okay. Can I just say something about the Nets? Can I, this, I'm sorry. I, I, I have to say. This. Let me, let me, I'll tee, let me, let me okay. tee you up okay. and then you can okay. say whatever you want. Okay. 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 So we're going to talk about the Nets now. And in, in Brooklyn, uh, Sham Sharania of The Athletic reported over the weekend <laughs> that, and I'm going to, I'm going to quote this, quote these tweets. This is not my words. These, this is Sham's. Um, Nets star Ben Simmons is dealing with back soreness in reconditioning process that requires further strengthening of the area over a period of time before return to action. Brooklyn has no set timetable for Simmons' return. It's uncertain whether the three-time All-Star will clear necessary return-to-play hurdles for Nets' March 10th return trip to Philadelphia, but team is treating as a day-to-day process. End quote. These are now my words. Uh, that's just a bunch of gobbledygook. And I think that uh, we, like, off the top, before you said we we're going to say what you were going to say, how surprised were you when you saw this report that Simmons probably isn't going to play in Philadelphia slash definitely isn't going to play in Philadelphia? Not surprised at all, I guess. <laughs> Like em- embarrassed for the Nets organization, um, but definitely not surprised. We, you know, we don't want to cast aspersions and say anyone's making up anything, but <laughs> you know, the fact that they it's just like the fact that it's like he's got back soreness, and in, there's this one game like eleven days from now. We're not sure. It's so um, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. 
Listen. Why would you mention it? <laughs> Why would you mention it? Yeah, it's, like, like, it's like my my. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to play on March 10th t-shirt is raising uh, like more questions than answers. You know what I mean? It's, no, this is like me. Like when I was like in, I remember I was like uh, in seventh grade or eighth grade and there was like this oral book report that I really didn't want to do. And it's like. I'm thinking ahead, like, <laughs> yeah. just genius brain, galaxy yeah. brain, little Michael Pina. And it's like eight days before it. And I'm like, I'm not feeling great. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think I'm going to be feeling great. Yeah. On, I think my throat you know, is still going to be sore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be affecting me for at least two weeks. I'm sorry. So I, I think we're going to have to take a pass on that report. Listen, um, what did John Morant, what did John Morant say? Earlier this year, we don't duck the smoke. We run up the chimney. All right? <laughs> Yo, Ben Simmons is a ducking smoke, okay? He is absolutely ducking smoke. And look, at the end of the day, I've um, – listen, I, I don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons and the mental health issues. That's something that I have, like, a great – um. Something is very important, okay? And I don't want to make light of that at all. And I just I just don't we don't know what's going on there. We don't know any details. It's kind of the first time we've really had to deal with it um to this level. I mean, we've had players come out and talk about it before. Paul George in the bubble, for example, and it ne- wasn't necessarily handled well then. So, you know, I, I just we we're at a complete loss of knowledge in terms of what's going on there. All I, I but I will say just I want the guy on my team who wants to play in that game. That's the guy I want. I, I want the, you know, when LeBron had to go back to Cleveland in 2010 and they're throwing batteries at him and, you know, they were a couple months earlier, they were burning his jersey and the owners sending these, like, you know, thinly veiled letters and all kinds of vitriol, all kinds of terrible things. And, like, he goes out and drops whatever. He had 30 points in that game, whatever he did. You know, that was a good I, game. That was, was actually like, like a, a competitive a game. game yeah. I remember. Yeah, I understand not everyone's LeBron, but yeah, give me the guy who wants to play in that game, who wants to go up against his former team. Um, again, it just comes back to competitive spirit. Like, give me the guys who want to be out there, who care, who give a shit. And if I'm Ben Simmons, like, listen, if Katie and Kyrie are out there. Like you, at some point, you're gonna have to to prove it, man. Like what? What? You can't keep kicking the can down the road. You're the first. What if he has to play in Philly in the playoffs, and that's his first time back? You're gonna you're gonna want to, you know, rip off the bandaid. Then are you just hoping you can avoid the Sixers forever? I, I, that's not a. I just don't think that that's a good strategy for you. So, the Nets thing, man. I when I saw that, I was like, this is a joke. Like this is a joke. They're just trying to kick the can down the road. They don't want to take the regular season seriously. They're willing to just, you know, hope they don't catch the Sixers so Simmons doesn't have to confront that. But to me, it's like, be a competitor. Be a competitor. Like, go out there and, and and you're one of the best basketball players in the world. Prove that. You know what I mean? 
Was that your? Is that what you wanted to talk about when you wanted to talk about the Nets? Because I have another thing to say that's going to take us off Simmons for two seconds. And that is what I wanted to say. I just want to see Simmons compete, man. Like that's what he should want as well. Have some competitive spirit. Play in that game on March tenth. Like waiting can only make it worse. Like get out there, man. Like have some. I don't know what it's going to take for him to build his confidence back up, but like, bro, you used to do it. You're one of the best guys in the league. Like. Get out there, man. Like, let's go. Yeah, his... uh, First of all, Shelby, our wonderful producer, should just cut that, what you just said, and we'll email it to to Ben Simmons' people. We'll get him... (laughs) We'll get that message in his headphones as he's warming up for his next game, and I think he'll be in the right headspace after that. But it's just everything about him is... It's theoretical right now. And the phrase, on paper... He's on paper. He's a great fit. And it's it's just going to be really interesting to see if we ever, not ever, I think he will play, of course, at some point. But the ramp up to the, the playoffs, it's like we're we're basically in March. Yeah, we're in the home stretch. Not a lot, not a lot of basketball left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's just, just going to be really interesting. And, and what I wanted to say was that... They could play um, the Sixers in the at- first round. <laughs> It's yes, they yeah. could. A lot. It's 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 it. A lot could happen. A lot is on the table. Um, after it looked like Kyrie Irving would be cleared to play at Barclays Center when New York City <laughs> Mayor Eric Adams lifts the vaccine mandate for restaurants and gyms and most indoor spaces on March seventh, it actually turns out that uh, the private sector vaccine mandate will continue to keep Kyrie sidelined. That was one the of the funniest future. moments in Twitter history. Was the Woj tweet followed by the Shams tweet that was essentially like a leak or so, not so fast, my friend. And then you had Nets fans like pouring over like New York City penal code. And it's like, well, according to executive order 1258, uh, like what a a circus, man. Uh, Yeah, so... The Nets beat the Bucks. This is actually a, 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 a basketball point to make. The Nets beat the Bucks on Saturday night um, in Hell Milwaukee. Hell of a win. Kyrie played great. Um, Seth Curry played pretty well. Uh, I'm trying to even think back to what even happened in that game. My head is so frazzled after <laughs> what we were just been discussing. <laughs> but... It was, Bobby Portis balled uh, out. Bobby Portis at like eight threes. Yeah. Um, Giannis was Giannis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it, it's just like that game. You watch that game. You watch that that Nets team, and you're like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> yes, they just beat the defending champs. Kyrie in was unstoppable in Milwaukee. A game that it was clear both teams were. Very engaged in mm-hmm. trying to win. Milwaukee, I mean, and you could say no Lopez, but Milwaukee's at full strength as far as this season goes. That was full form Bucks as well. Right. And it's like, oh, they didn't have their best player, like the guy. They mm-hmm. didn't have Ben Simmons, this guy who, three time All Star, who would probably be guarding Giannis in a series against the Bucks. And giving the Nets an option that they did not have last year in the playoffs in the Bro, second round. Bro, like, they were oh playing Andre Drummond huge minutes, and he's, like, yamming on Giannis and blocking him. Like, <laughs> it was nuts. So, it's like, you watch that game, and you're like, 
who is beating like who is beating the Nets? Sometimes I know we just talked about I, yeah. like who is yeah. I, I it's agree. Just like, what is how unstoppable will this team be if everything clicks for them? And you watch that, but then it's like back to reality. Okay, when is can is Kyrie? What if the Nets play the Raptors in the play-in? Right, and then I, I it's still in Toronto. Right, I still think Kyrie's going to be. Listen, we don't need to get into New York City politics. Certainly, I think Kyrie's going to play in the playoffs all games. Maybe not in Canada, but I'm pretty confident he's going to be able to play in Nets home games. Like it seems like Eric Adams is like constantly trying to figure out how to get Kyrie Irving back on the court. The amount he's asked about it. I've never heard a mayor asked about one guy so much before in my life. Um, it I frankly think I, depresses me. Yeah. It's, that's it's, yeah. That's that. a, we don't need to. Um, yeah. It's yeah. Um, I think Kyrie's going to play. I'm with you, man. I was, I cheated this. Like the, um, the Bucks have been pushed to the limit by the Nets. Like constantly with the Nets not being at full strength. I mean, that game seven, it took everything for the Bucks to win that game seven. And that was with Durant and Harden on one leg. And now we see Kyrie just have one of those Kyrie moments where you're like, this guy is unstoppable. There's no, no defense that can contain him. He's playing with a bunch of non-shooters. Like they're playing Bruce Brown and Andre Drummond at the same time. And it doesn't matter. And he's still getting the looks he wants. Milwaukee, that that left me like a little bit cool on Milwaukee as well. Where it's like that should have been a little bit of a statement game for you guys. Instead, it's like, oh, used to the Nets without Durant and Simmons at home? Huh. So mm -hmm. that one was definitely – that was a pretty like – this has been a weird regular season with guys in our lineup. What data do you trust, et cetera? That was one game where I was like – you made a mental note of that one. For sure. Because that was impressive as hell from the Nets. Uh, very interesting. And it's funny how just these like post-NFL season Saturday night primetime games, they just like choke the narrative. Yeah. Like, when, yeah. It's like when two big teams play each other on Saturday night on ABC, like regardless of what happens, like next week the Warriors are playing the Lakers, I think. And it's like the Lakers are in just just absolute tailspin. You've got these clips of LeBron and Trevor Ariza and Russell Westbrook getting into arguments with the fans. DeAndre Jordan <laughs> throwing <laughs> throwing the ball into the stands. The LeBron non-apology to my guy Bill Orem. Shout out to Tillamook Cheese. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, it's just it's not going great. Um, in Hollywood right now and if the Lakers were to like blow out the Warriors there would just be like I don't even know how many think pieces and columns <laughs> oh, the Lakers are back and it, that would be it for a week it's just how it is right now in the NBA it was just fun um but okay can we open up the mailbag or do you have anything else to say about the Nets and because I'm with you about the Bucks actually like that was kind of they're, they're down to 13th in defensive rating Lopez has no timeline for his return. Bobby Portis is Bobby Portis, but, you know, their foundational defensive identity is like those deep drops, mm -hmm. and they're giving up a lot of stuff at the rim. Uh, I, You know, the, the reason they won the title was they had the best defense in the postseason last year. For all the 
ways we criticize them and their strategy and Bud and, and Brooke Lopez, like that fundamentally did work um, more often than not. So if that is not an option for them, I just don't know. Like they're switching a lot. Like they just, it's just a different team. They don't have PJ Tucker. Pat Connaughton's got a, a broken finger on his or whatever on his shooting hand. Like I, just a lot of question marks up and down for all these teams. And um, I have no idea who the favorite is. <laughs> just, Dude, the East is nuts, stuff. man. The East is because it's also like the best team could get knocked out in round one because they got they just caught the the bad matchup. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, man, it's gonna be. Could you imagine if Toronto played Philly somehow? Who's guarding Embiid in that series? Like my guy, my guy OG and an OB, yeah, and we're just bringing the triple teams. Yeah, oh man, good um, times. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, let's can we open, open up, up the, the mailbag? Mail let's open up the mailbag. Okay, so I'm going out of order here because it, it seems just like... The it, the flow here is 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 better from our outline, but we actually got an email from a, a listener named Rohan. Um, it's a different Rohan. Interesting. I think, I hope. Interesting. But he he sent us this this quick little thought exercise. Um, start bench cut. Oh, this was a great Kyrie question. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Manu Ginobili. Start bench cut. So thank you, Rohan, for emailing that one in. Uh, for me, can I just go first? Because this took me five seconds. I And I was oh, like, I'm, okay. I'm very confident in my answer. Did not think too deeply about it and love what I have to say. So I'm starting Clay. I'm benching Manu. And I'm cutting Kyrie. And I'm sleeping great at night. That's that my team. That sounds like somebody who had to endure the 2019 Boston Celtics. <laughs> um, that's what that sounds like. That sounds like somebody who bought a Kyrie jersey when he said he was going to re-sign in Boston, but didn't have the fan assurance on it when he left. Um, couldn't trade it in for a different player. Couldn't trade it in for Peyton Pritchard. Um, <laughs> that's what I actually that regret. Like. So I honestly did have a Kyrie t-shirt jersey and regret throwing it away because I could have just taken the duct tape and done the... Peyton Pritchard. That would have been very complicated. I don't know how, how I would have done that actually. But Peyton Pritchard, we don't. We, I don't need to get into his shooting splits right now. But he looks great. Um, so, what, what would you do here? <laughs> please, please play. play Peyton Pritchard during the playoffs. Um, Let's go, baby. Um, I don't think it's as simple as you do. Certainly, 
I miss Manu. I tweeted I miss Manu Ginobili. This question um, inspired that when I saw the outline. And I, to be honest, I've I've yet to settle on an answer this entire time. I've thought about it on and off ever since I saw the outline. And I think, I think I'm starting Clay, bringing Kyrie off the bench and cutting Manu. But that's like that might just be recency bias. Like it's a sacrilegious thing to I, say. I'm sorry. It's just, like, just so hard to separate those guys. And I hate this exercise because it's forcing me to act like one of them's not good. Like all three are fantastic basketball players. No, they're all great. They're all great basketball players. I will say this. When there's a top one hundred in twenty five years, Clay and Manu are gonna be on it before Kyrie Irving. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you that right now. So, I no, it's not even. That's not up for debate. That's a fact. That's I know what you're fact. saying. I also just think that, like, yeah, man, what Kyrie did in the 2016 Finals was insane. Cool. Yes, he did. He had like a that was one of the like, games. Okay, but like the three biggest games when you needed the three biggest games, like Manu's never done that. And I love Manu and like one of my all time favorite players. Uh, okay, we, we should move on. To, I, I know I, we're short I, but for that's time what I'm right saying, now. Is it's like you're, you're forcing me to choose. It's not like I'm anti Manu, but I'm just like, can I play a little bit of devil's advocate here? You're like, now you're making me out to be this big Kyrie supporter fan. But like that <laughs> series was nuts, dude. What do you want from me? Yep. It my was, answer it was to that a series. Qu- my answer to that question is, I don't know. Leave me alone. That's my answer. I, I, I never want to hear you talk to me about waffling or being on the fence or no, anything no, no. ever again if you do not answer this. <laughs> you can't do that. All right. I uh, gave you my answer then. Start. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cutting Manu. Okay. You're cutting Manu. Cutting Manu Ginobili. <laughs> okay. I hate it. I hate All right. It. That's it. We're moving on. Yep. We're going to move on. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We have another short but sweet email from from David, who sent this in a while back, actually, but it seems very timely now to read on the show. Uh, David writes, hi, guys. I'm sorry, but why isn't Devin Booker in the MVP conversation? Uh, You brought this up on the pod as well. Yeah. Shout out to D Money, a.k.a. David. 
Um, yes, D money. Uh, this is <laughs> I like this is a. It's just a fascinating. It's fascinating, and I found it to be so interesting how we've all just collectively decided Chris Paul was the MVP candidate and the best player and all that in Phoenix. When if we're just looking at like, like I'm not saying that's wrong. But mm-hmm. I just think it, it really short sells how great Devin Booker is. And I know his team has dropped a couple of games since CP's been out with the, the wrist injury, a thumb injury. But like you're reminded of how great of a passer he is, how he sees the he's just uh, he's brilliant going downhill. He sees every pass. He did that before Chris Paul was his teammate. He hits ridiculous shots like Truly absurd shots. He can create space anywhere on the floor once he crosses half court. Um, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is uh, and what it would take for him to actually be vaulted into this conversation. I mean, this is uh, his chance, no. right? I mean, if he can carry the it team, is. like this is the, this is it. Like, what would it, it take? You got to. What you got to beat the Jazz. Yeah. You had to win those types of games, unfortunately. And if he if he went on a tear here, he'd be in the conversation. It's kind of what, what's Phoenix's record? They're like forty nine and 12, 49 and thirteen. Like almost half of their losses have come in like two weeks of the season. Like they started one and three, and they're zero and two in their last two. Like that's like half of their losses right there. And then in between, it's just carnage. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so what would it take? I mean, we talked about this with Aiton a little bit. Like, this is the moment for some of those other Suns guys to prove that they can kind of carry the torch a little bit, right? That it's not Paul's steady hand guiding them. I do think it's interesting. Down the stretch, they weren't able to close against the Jazz when they've been one of the best clutch teams in the NBA for two years in a row. A lot of people credit CP with that success. Can they still pull out those clutch games? Um, I thought Booker looked fantastic against... Utah for what it's worth. And I think he's, even though he gets targeted, I think that it's a lot to do with just the other defenders on that team. Cause I think he's, I think that was a huge knock on him earlier in his career. I think he competes well on that under the floor now. So yeah, I mean, this is his chance. If you want to know what it would take for him to be in the conversation, it's show that you can carry the team without Chris Paul. I think that would go a long way. I mean, and I think what's hurting him is a lot of people still just kind of hold like, what the team was like before Chris Paul got there against him, which is maybe a little bit unfair, but this this is his chance. This is his chance. Pull out those pull out games like that one against Utah, and I think it would go a long way for his MVP case. I think he would have to do something truly spectacular. Like you look at what Demar Derozan has yeah, done, Luca, all the, the buzzer yeah. the buzzer beaters, mm-hmm. the thirty five in a row. Like Booker's capable of. Two straight 60-point games. He is. That's how Mm -hmm. talented he is. I don't know if we're going to see that because of how the Suns play basketball, um, where he doesn't need to do something like that and isn't asked to. But And he'll also be facing way more attention, defensive attention now with CP out. But that's what it'll take to even, like, get into the conversation, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Because I just think that too much of... um, who we really credit here for their success is CP and yeah. So I don't, and there's just so many really strong candidates this season that it's hard to just kind of elbow your way into the conversation now. So late in the year, Um, but 
yeah, I think this guy is like a true legitimate superstar and him one day winning MVP would not totally stun me. I think that that is something that could be on his resume before he retires. Absolutely. For sure. And I do think for what it's worth, I mean, they did look really good in that Utah game. I mean, Utah's coming along a bit here now that Mitchell and Gobert are healthy. Like that wasn't a bad loss by any means. So I think they're still going to be a really good team, even with Chris Paul out. And I'm with you. I, I think he's improved so much. And we talk about, I've talked about competitive spirit a lot on this podcast. Book is someone who has it. Um, he gets mm-hmm. after it every night. Um, you could tell like there's a little extra juice when him and Mitchell are going head to head. And I love that. Um, so I'm with you. I would not surprise me at all if he wins MVP one day. It just is. We've seen time and time again the influence Chris Paul can have on franchises. So I think that he needs this stretch, I think, will be good for Booker in the sense that I think he'll get an opportunity to prove uh, just how much he's improved over the last few years. Absolutely. Rohan, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, Thank you so much for just being yourself, um, (laughs) bringing your beautiful face to this discussion. I just got to say, we need to, it's been a minute. We need to, a lot of people are asking when the next Royston report is coming in. Um, I feel like we put Shelby on ice a little bit here and you could tell he's upset because he's just been, you know, stewing. Yeah. Just stewing. He's like, just cut off all communication with us. Um, so, you know, we gotta, we gotta bring back the Royston report at some point as well. I was waiting for CJ McCollum to score 50 in a Pelican. (laughs) We'll we'll bring it back. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, that'll, that'll do it for today's show. Rowan, thank you so much. Thank you so much to our listeners. Um, please keep your emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Everybody stay safe. Everybody uh, continue to enjoy the NBA season. Oh, can I give a shout out real quick, Mike, before we actually end the show? Sure. My dad's retiring today. Shout out to my dad. Today's his last day of work. Oh, shout out to Mr. Narkini. That's we go. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Very exciting. Okay. Well, shout out to everyone retiring today as well. <laughs> See you guys later. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.